my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Haworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. And we had a ton to discuss, as always. We talked about Nikki Haley committing political suicide this week. Uh, We talked about the BBC's Mother of All Corrections issued this morning. Uh, We talked about Ian's piece in The Telegraph discussing Europe's failed and insane immigration policies. We talked about Senator Mark Wayne Mullen trying to fight a union boss in a Senate hearing yesterday. Um, And a bunch more. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before we get to the end, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoChemicsPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. If you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmicksPodcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Howarth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Howarth. Ian, how you been, man? Good morning, Brady. Uh, I'm in Tampa right now, just enjoying the, the weather I was not promised. You know, I came here expecting nice, sunny Florida, and it's it's pissing down. So that's a shame, but had a good event last night. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. Yeah, Florida gets like three seasons a day. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild. It might clear up in an hour. You know, you never know. Um, we have a ton to talk about, as always, but uh, let's just keep it light here to start the show. Um it's actually not really a light topic, but this lady just really cracks me up. We got to start with Nikki Haley. Um, <laughs> this woman is is the worst. Um, completely out of touch with with the country, especially with the Republican Party. She thinks it's 2003. We should bomb every Muslim country on earth. She says things like peace through strength and Russian disfor- disinformation all the time. You know all the things that appeal to Democrats and other insane people. And now she wants <laughs> to ban anonymous speech online. Uh, for national security reasons, she says, whatever that means. Um, this is obviously wildly unconstitutional. Uh, she said this on Fox News yesterday. She also said this on <laughs> Uncomfortably Smug's podcast, which is hilarious since he's one of the biggest <laughs> anonymous accounts on the right, at least on Twitter. Um, just incredible stuff, man. I mean, apparently, I mean, imagine trying to win Republican primary voters by being more pro-war than George Bush and more anti-free speech than Joe Biden. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when she's attacked, she plays the stupid feminist girl power card, just like Kamala Harris or any other Democrat woman. So, look, I mean, she's she's a clown. She's never going to be president. But I, I, I am glad. I mean, we can all be glad that she'll never be anywhere near the levers of power. Yeah, I just don't get any of this. I mean, not only did she say that she wants to do something that is drastically unconstitutional by banning people from having anonymous accounts on social media. She said it would be the first thing she does in office. And so it's <laughs> it's bizarre. Like, if you look at every single problem like that there is in, in the country that the executive branch has power over, that is the first thing she'll do. It makes no sense. It's so out of nowhere. I, I just can only imagine she saw some nasty messages from anonymous accounts and just decided to go to war with them in the only way she knows how. Uh, it, it's also strange timing because after the debate, you know, she got a bump in a lot of support, like people, a lot of people saying that she won the debate, even though I, I hate that term. You don't win a debate when the metrics for winning are just how much shit you threw. 
Um, but no, you, know, you can did... win it. You can win an Oxford style debate debate one on one against another person, but you yes, can't but win like a presidential these. debate. Yeah. But she she came out doing you know doing well. She made her points like well, whether you agree with them or not. And then just to go down this route, it's just bizarre. And then as you said, the identity politics stuff. She relies on that too much. I, I think Vivek Ramaswamy was being sexist. Like his heels comment, he's just stirring the pot because you know he's a shit stirrer. That's all he does. Any attention is good attention. But why can't she just be an actual conservative and just rise above it? Other people will point out it's sexist. They're like, yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy's a douchebag. Like shock horror, newsflash. She should be talking about issues that actually matter rather than just moaning about sexism on the right it's it's i i do not get her like i do not get so many of the candidates but uh she's she's a weird one and um yeah i'm glad she will almost certainly not be president of the united states because i think she's essentially hillary clinton with you know a couple of pictures of elephants in her office instead of donkeys yeah and you know has less money and is like less famous and less popular than hillary killed clinton. few killed fewer people though, <laughs> she has killed fewer people well, I mean, not if she became president. She would yeah, really get yet. on that in a hurry. She's <laughs> day one. She bans the internet. Day two, she bombs Iran. So I mean, you know, she's uh quite the quite the list. Man, it's just like Nikki Haley might actually. I mean, she's never going to be president. But if she were, she might actually be a worse president than Joe Biden. I mean, like, w- would she be better than a uh, than any Democrat? Like, she'd be all right, better than Bernie Sanders because he's a communist. But like. Better than Biden? I don't know. Like she'd probably be even more pro-war, pro-Ukraine funding, worse on on the First Amendment. You know, like she probably understands spending better than Biden and the Democrats. But the Democrats control the Senate and are gonna control the House next year. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. So it's a wash there. She's gone down the Trump road of like saying we'll never reform entitlements. We need to keep spending, keep spending. I mean, it's like okay, so she's just Joe Biden, except wants to ban comfortably smug on the internet. <laughs> And half of our half of our fantasy football league on the internet. Okay, it's just like I, I I'm not I I don't know. Like she would be a horrific president. Like on speech, on foreign policy, on spending. She led the she spearheaded the effort when she was governor of South Carolina to like melt down all the the southern statues, the Confederate statues, and stuff like that. So she's obviously not that I really care one way or the other about that, but like you know, she's obviously not going to be she's always been kind of left wing on the cultural stuff when she was governor and pissed off a lot of conservatives there. Um, so, I mean, it's just like I don't how would she be any different than Biden or Harris or any stock Democrat? Yeah, I think it's kind of difficult because I think she's obviously more competent than Joe Biden. Uh, I think she would have some policies in in a way that Joe Biden does not. Um, but the problem is, is, as you kind of alluded to, what she actually has control over and what she doesn't. And. One of those is going to be the attitude towards spending, and it's quite clear that she doesn't really care about that. Anyone who is not telling the truth about entitlements is just kicking the can down the road and basically throwing our children and our grandchildren in the trash financially. If, if, that is the problem is with conservatism generally, when you've got Donald Trump standing up there and saying, we will protect Social Security. It's like, yeah, but it's not protectable. Like, it is done. No, it's no. a pyramid scheme that is about to explode in our face. Um, the foreign policy stuff, I think, for me, is the biggest issue. That's what I judge every single president and presidential candidate by. Um, all of the things they promise are usually out of their hands. It's usually in the hands of Congress. But foreign policy is basically their main job, in my mind. Um, and I think her foreign policy is – she tries to kind of wear multiple hats at once. So she talks about the strength, um, influence through strength, things like that, which I'm totally on board with. But then she's just overtly aggressive in terms of wanting conflict. And I think we always need to have that middle ground. I think this is where you and I disagree to some extent, 
you have to be willing to go to war but using that willingness as the threat as a proactive threat rather than having this reactive desire just to go kill anyone anytime anywhere for any reason which i think nikki haley often comes down on the side on like after um hamas invaded on october 7th you know tweeting things like i can't remember the exact phrase but paraphrasing you know finish them it's like okay what does that mean that's not a policy no and so it's just uh the gun ho stuff works in the movies works on twitter but when you're actually defining policy people are getting killed because of it i get a little worried yeah well, she said in Iowa last month, too, that she's tired of the Department of Defense. She wants a Department of Offense. Oh, what does that mean? Like, what does that know. mean? I don't know. We need to start Stu- more wars. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. She said that a, a strong America doesn't start wars. It prevents wars. Okay. Um, pretty sure a strong America has started seven wars. In the last 20 years, that's just, you know, I mean, we've started the vast majority of wars in the last couple of decades. Like, it's it's totally out of touch with reality, man. I don't know if it's like if I'm just this is part of me growing older and maturing as a man and as a human being. Um, or maybe I'm just getting way I've been doing this for too long and I'm just getting annoyed with everybody now. <laughs> I used to give Republicans more slack, but like. There's just so many Republicans that would be either only slightly better or no better than Democrats. And everyone gets super offended when I point this out. And I don't mean all. Like, I'm a registered Republican because overall they are better than Democrats. And I still believe, maybe in a Don Quixote-esque way, (laughs) that the Republican Party can be saved. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Time will tell. Um, But, like, the country I don't think would be better at all. Like, our lives would not be better at all under Nikki Haley. And, you know, get your insults ready, folks. I, I Trump is absolutely in that category now for me as well. I mean, anti-gun, pro-choice, completely economically illiterate, no real principles on foreign policy, just agrees with whoever's being nice to him at the time, you know, which if that person's Lindsey Graham, then look out, civilians <laughs> in, in the <laughs> Middle East. Um, you know, like Trump's in that category for me, whether y'all want to hear it or not. But I, I think there are a lot of Republicans out there who are I don't know. I, I just can't see a difference in like a Haley presidency than a than a Biden presidency, even like a Trump second presidency versus Biden. It's just like they agree on spending, they largely agree on war, they agree on entitlements, they kind of agree on guns, they kind of agree on abortion, even though the Republicans don't admit it. It's just like, man, I give me give me something different. You know, give me something different to vote for, or I'm just not gonna. I think the the root of this problem is that the GOP doesn't know what it believes in. That that is the the root of every single one of these problems. Is we have a vast number of candidates who really cannot agree on one single issue. Defining what a conservative is in the United States is the impossible question right now. The Democrats very much know who they are. There's obviously uh, levels of debate, but they're pretty much on board with all of their key issues. Everyone is pushing in the same direction. And yeah. We're completely fractured on abortion. Like the issue of abortion has been the biggest fuck up, I think, um, in terms of domestic policy I have ever seen. Because overturning Roe versus Wade was a massive win that these politicians have been running on for decades, and they had zero plan for what happens afterwards. And what are we seeing? We're seeing all of these states that should be red states just fall into Democratic Party hands and just protecting abortion up until the point of birth, if not afterwards, without a second's thought. That is an abject failure of American conservatism to not have the next step ready, to not have the messaging ready. 
uh, to be passing the entire narrative to the left. And we're seeing this on all number of issues. We're going to see it on guns when that returns. Uh, we're going to see it foreign policy again. Spending is just a joke. The idea that any conservative out there, honestly, I think Ron DeSantis has been one of the few people who've actually spoken about this, honestly, um, to some extent. But the fact that you can have die, supposedly diehard Republicans, diehard conservatives cheering Trump when he said, I'm going to protect your Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. It's like, yes, I would love it if money didn't exist and it was just this arbitrary thing that everything is free. But that's not the world we live in. A core yeah. fundamental principle of conservatism is that we understand resources. We understand people's time. We understand that nothing is free. And then we have the, the presumptive nominee saying it is free. We are we are going in a completely different direction. And uh, it's it's worrying like to look at this now. We're like Democrats not that long ago. Um, yeah. And no one is pushing back. And it's there's only so long you can go down the wrong road before you forget where you've come from. Yeah. I mean, it's all gone. The Treasury's empty. I mean, it's like Trump saying he's going to, quote unquote, protect people's Social Security. He's like saying he's going to protect my brand new Lamborghini in my garage, which doesn't exist. I mean, yeah. it's like it doesn't yeah. like it sounds good, but it, it's it's not real. And people are going to get hurt. People are going to die because of it, because of Trump's stupidity and, and, you know, driving the Republican Party away from any semblance of fiscal responsibility. I mean, like economics is life and death, man. It's not just foreign mm -hmm. policy that gets people killed. Economics gets people killed, too. Um, she wrote, I, far more people. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you wrote in The Telegraph on Monday about um, Europe's disastrous immigration refugee policies over the last couple decades. Obviously, the pro-Hamas rallies populated by radical Muslims are bad here in the States in major American cities, but they're much, much worse across Europe. Europe uh -huh. has let in many millions more Muslims in the last couple decades. In England, the videos are just depressing, man. Like, London looks like a conquered city. Um, I think we've all, I'll tweet it out if you guys haven't seen it, we've all seen the, the video a couple weeks ago of British vets protesting and the cops telling them to hide the Union Jack because, quote, there are a lot more of them than us. Um, I mean, these people <laughs> seem completely demoralized. Yeah. How, how did they get here and how do the UK and Europe survive their insane, nonsensical multiculturalism experiment? Well, it's obviously the experiment has failed. Um, at the root of this is the inability to say true things without being labeled as a racist. And uh, the idea that defending your culture makes you a racist and therefore you must welcome everyone else's culture without a second glance. And the analogy I always use is like multiculturalism is great under a set of key principles where it doesn't matter what accent you have, what skin color you have, what food you like, what clothes you wear. But if you all share key values of like Western values of loving your country, then we're, we're good. Like, I don't care where you've come from. I care about what you think. But uh, countries like the UK and, and Europe, to, I, to some extent, a greater extent, have just ignored that. They have set their own values aside and worshipped just tolerance, blind tolerance. And if that means tolerance for people who are intolerant, so be it. And that's where we've got now. You've got radical Islam taking advantage of radical leftism, but also tolerance and coming in with the express goal of turning everywhere they go into an Islamic country, um, whether um, overtly or inherently or subtly. There are some areas of the UK you go to, you will not know you're in the UK. And uh, you've got areas that are essentially run by Sharia law. 
um, not officially, but unofficially. And uh, you've got areas of France that are no-go areas, not just for Jews, um, as if that's acceptable, but right. for anyone who's in any way Western, there are no-go areas in Europe, which is insane. But this is exactly what people who push radical Islam openly call for. It's not a surprise. It's naivety. It's ignorance. Um, it's a worship of identity politics over values. And it's a, a lot of it's based on fear and weakness of... Um, I think the UK stands alone in terms of how a lot of Europe approached things like World War Two. Like, it's no surprise to see the French bend over a barrel for this because, you know, they have a history of bending over the barrel for whoever the bad guy is that week. Right. But but to see the UK do it, to see um, the I mean, the police in England are a joke. I've said this for a long time. Like you outwalk some of them, you commit a crime, just briskly walk away. Most of them are too fat to even bother coming after you. <laughs> but the fact that they can look veterans in the face and tell them there's more of us than more of them than there are of us it's like yes that's part of the plan that is the objective and uh that's giving into mob rule that is entirely anti-western and we're seeing the death of the west it's not hyperbole we're seeing the death of the west and the death um rattle is allahu akbar it's it's bad brady it's really fucking bad uh, i'm grateful to live in the u.s where i still have the right to defend myself but all of my Jewish friends and family in the UK are scared right now. And you know what? They, they should be because no one's going to come save them and they're not able to save themselves. They're just sitting ducks. And it's, it's a scary time. Do the British have it in them to, is there going to be a backlash electorally? I mean, the conservatives think, yes. are in power and, but the conservatives, I mean, the prime minister doesn't seem like he's, given any indication he wants to deal with this problem at all. He fired, uh, Prime Minister Sunak fired, uh, what was her name and title? Something like something like a Homeland Secretary. I, I forget what, what her title was. Oh, the but, Home Secretary, yep. Essentially just for noticing that there's a problem, he candor. So it's just like, it doesn't seem like the Conservative Party's really on the side of the the British people here. They seem to be doubling down on the, the multiculturalist nonsense. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, the thing is that conservatism doesn't really exist in the UK. You know, the conservatives are just like moderate Democrats. Um, and then the Labour Party are the Bernie Sanders AOC crowd. Um, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn was their leader until fairly recently. You know, if that tells you basically everything you need to know about the Labour Party. Um, to their credit, though, the Labour Party forced Jeremy Corbyn and a bunch of other anti-Semites out, uh, whereas the Democratic Party gives them magazine covers. So <laughs> they're doing something better over there. Right. Um, there will be a backlash because I think there is always a backlash. The problem is, is that there's this reflex of, oh, don't be racist. Like the idea that criticizing radical Islam is racist or Islamophobic, which is one of my least favorite phrases in our modern language. It is not a phobia to criticize an ideology. Like you're not white phobic if you criticize white supremacism. You are not irrationally fearful of Islam if you point out that radical Islam of treating women like cattle and beheading anyone who disagrees with you. Criticizing that does not make you irrationally fearful. Um, it's a trick of the left that they've embraced and abused. Um, and until people wake up and, and moderate mainstream people push back against this, um, the problem is, is then the backlash comes from the extreme right, which is, you know, has its own problems. You know, it's like the Tommy Robinsons of the world or the yeah. um, British National Party and all of these other white supremacist or white supremacist allied, um, allied groups, and uh, they have their own problems too. So it needs to be the mainstream pushing back against this and, 
and pushing in favor of Western values because, you know, guess what? Western values are a fucking good thing. Yes. And uh, if you're not allowed to say that, then <laughs> goodbye to the West. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the BBC issued an apology this morning. Um, one of my favorite apologies of all time. A real humdinger this one was. <laughs> they cl- they clarified <clears throat> from a headline the previous day, they clarified that by saying that the IDF was targeting doctors and translators in a hospital in Gaza, um, specifically, that what they really meant was that the IDF brought in doctors and translators to a hospital in Gaza along with supplies to help keep civilians alive. Um, <laughs> whoops! <laughs> Oops! It's, it's unbelievable. It's quite literally the opposite of, of what they said, and they knew what they were doing. The BBC knows what they're doing. Um, they, I mean, they have, I mean, to, to get something published in the BBC, it goes through several different editor, editors. Come on, these people aren't brain dead. Look, if and when Israel commits war crimes, I'll be the first one to talk about it. But everything the left clings on to is debunked within 48 hours. I mean, it doesn't stop them from falling for it, and they're going to fall for it the next time again, obviously, you know, probably right now as we speak. But, I mean, the 48-hour rule is pretty much undefeated in this war so far. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess good on the BBC for apologizing. Sometimes they just gloss, you know, they just memory hole it and move on. But, my goodness, I mean... <laughs> A correction that is literally the opposite of the narrative they were pushing a day before yep. is, is pretty amazing. It's it's stunning. I mean, at this point, if you've been paying attention to the BBC's coverage of what's going on in Israel for not just recently, but, you know, the last couple of years, last couple of decades, it's always pretty appalling. You know, it's always biased. It's always um, leaning one way or the other. But this is just Hamas propaganda right now of to be that lazy, that ignorant or that evil to take the opposite of the truth and push Hamas propaganda that is really a blood libel, like claiming that Jews are intentionally going after civilians. It's not just not true, but this has dangerous impact. You have a lot of people taken to the streets because they believe or want to believe that Jews in Israel are doing this. I mean, look at the response to that fake story about the uh, Baptist hospital in Gaza that was supposedly attacked by Israel. Every single mainstream media outlet in the UK and the United States just ran with this. And it's it wasn't true. It was the opposite of true in that it was the Palestinians who did it. It was a parking lot, not the hospital. And the death count was more like 50 rather than 500. But the damage is done. You had people taken to the streets. You had a synagogue burnt down in Tunisia and a Torah burnt. You had Jews attacked. You had a woman in France stabbed in her own home or beaten in her own home. It's lies like this have consequences. And I, I use the word lie intentionally because when you are a journalist outlet with the resources that the BBC has, there are no excuses that you do not publish something like that unless you know it is true. And for them to say, oh yeah, we misquoted Reuters. It's like, well, or Reuters, how do you misquote and get it completely the opposite? Backwards. It's not like, oh, <laughs> we got the name of one guy wrong. It's like, if I say it's raining today and then you say it's sunny, you didn't misquote me. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's appalling. And uh, the BBC should be ashamed, but the damage is always done. Like, it doesn't matter if you apologize or not. Frankly, the damage is done. Yeah. It's not going to stop. I mean, we, we realized last week that, uh, you know, half of the press corps is using, you know, embedded, quote unquote, journalists who are just members of Hamas who p- participated in the attack. Yeah. I mean, from the BBC to the New York Times to the Washington Post. I mean, all of them. All of them were using these these terrorists. I mean, they were. Yeah, I don't know what else. I mean, they, they participated in the attack. 
on October 7th. So I don't know what you would call them besides terror terrorists. I mean, they weren't wearing yeah, the press badges. They weren't marked press, nothing. I mean, they just, they sent the New York Times stories and they just ran with it. Whatever they want, whatever Hamas wanted print, printed, that's what the Times and the Post and the BBC would print. I mean, it's, and I mean, look, it, man, I'm, I'm against all foreign aid. I don't want the United States funding Israel or anything else. But like, I, and I'm, I'm as anti-war as it gets, but like, I, I, I don't get the, these people, like the, the people that are constantly, people like me, libertarians, who are calling for the end of foreign aid and stuff like that. There are all these people who never believe anything the press says. And they just eat up the New York Times mm-hmm. every day. They're just, they, they believe whatever the BBC says. It's like, all right, all, all you people, you're the same people who said the corporate press is the enemy of the American people. You know, the corporate press needs to be destroyed. And then now that Israel's involved, you're going to believe everything the corporate press has to say. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't know what else to assume except that you don't like Jews. If you will pivot your entire worldview <laughs> on the drop of a hat, I, I don't know what else to assume about you. Yeah, I mean, just the explosion of anti-Semitism we've seen, um, especially on social media, um, is is pretty telling. You know, from people who claim to be conservative, from people who claim to be libertarian, there is an underlying level of anti-Semitism there that people simply didn't really want to acknowledge. You know, most people are not anti-Semitic. There's a lot of people who who either hate Jews or really don't care all that much when they claim to care about um, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness and these kind of things. But again, this goes beyond um, aid. Like, I haven't called for aid for Israel either. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in favor of aid for some countries because I think there are benefits. But aid isn't what Israel needs. What Israel needs is to have a president and um, an American government that isn't funding Iran, that isn't trying to bribe people into not chopping our heads off, and isn't elevating Hamas supporters in Congress. You know, that would help. I think that would actually be better if we weren't mass importing people who want to kill Jews wherever they are in the world. I think that would be doing more to protect Jews than a couple of billion dollars. Uh, it's just, it's it's insane to me. It's just insane. Those don't seem like unreasonable requests, Ian. <laughs> I mean... From, <laughs> Pretty extreme. What from, do I know? From, I'm a Zionist shill. I'm still waiting <laughs> on that check, but... <laughs> Maybe don't have unlimited immigration from Muslim countries. Yeah, I mean, like, come on. It's It seems like a low bar to clear. Look, a, a couple more things I need to touch on before I let you go, Ian. Um, first of all, uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen. I, what state is he? Is he? He just got elected. Oklahoma, right? I think Oklahoma, so, yeah. Arkansas, one of those states. I, I believe Oklahoma. Anyway, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen uh, tried to fight a union boss during a Senate hearing yesterday. Bernie Sanders had to break it up, which is just a hilarious sentence to say out loud. Um, <laughs> look, I'm all for this. I think politicians should fight more, like actually get into fist fights, maybe even duels, start shooting each other. Who cares? Um, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> look, my theory is this. 99% of teenage boys growing up learn that there are consequences for talking shit. And the teenage boys who never learned that lesson grew up to be politicians and union bosses, okay, <laughs> who live to lie to us and steal our money. So I say let them beat the piss out of each other, and uh, maybe then they'll leave the rest of us alone. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated this. I, I get why it's funny. You know, oh, I love I, it. I, I love it. I, I agree with you completely. There are a lot of people who have gone through life without having the, slap, uh, the shit slapped out of them and think they can just get away with stuff. Um, I think it's a pretty bad look for this to be happening in a, an official capacity. Um, but I also think it's it, it speaks to something where there's a level of violence that is always there that people allow when it's beneficial to them. So I think it's it's quite amusing for someone like Bernie Sanders. Like good on like, good on him. I supported him for 
for shutting that down because I think it was ridiculous and childish and Neanderthal-level stuff. Um, but then he'll happily endorse riots that are somewhere else that are helping him politically. Uh, and so as a society, we either need to decide that you know violence is wrong uh, unless it's in self-defense, in which case then I would like to see, speak, uh, see people like Bernie Sanders speak out as vociferously about BLM riots as he did about two grown men, consul uh, consenting adults, who are both threatening each other. Um, there's just a complete disconnect there, I think. But um, yeah, if, if two people want to fight, and there's, it's not for me to say they shouldn't necessarily, uh, I just think it's uh, like shock and horror, a union boss uses violent words. You know, most of these people <laughs> aren't exactly the nicest of folks. You know, using threats is kind of their MO to get what they want. Um, I would like it if a senator, like my understanding is he has a bunch of like MMA training and wrestling training. Um, I think sometimes there's more power to standing above this um, and not getting in the mud with someone. Um, if they attack you, that's obviously a different thing. But um, yeah, honestly, if we're going to go go this route, at least, at least do it properly. Let's have pay-per-view. Let's have uh, politicians fighting it out. At least it'd be funny, I guess, as we watch our entire civilization implode. <laughs> right. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to give Mullen uh, too much credit. He's obviously just doing this for the cameras to try to fundraise or whatever. He's a piece of crap, just like every other politician. But I will say, Mark <laughs> Wayne Mullen was a Division One All-American wrestler in college, and he has a professional, not just training, he has a professional MMA record of 5-0. and oh. <laughs> what, a, so, what a pussy. <laughs> so he's like literally the one politician who I couldn't beat up. <laughs> so this union guy really, uh, I mean, like, it would be funny to see a 5-0 and oh professional fight. And he's only like 40 years old, by the way. Like, he's not an old man. So it's like, it would be really funny to see this D1 wrestler and 5-0 and oh MMA fighter just suplex a union boss right on his head. Um, I look, I just propose a trade. How about the streets are peaceful and then the capital is just a freaking slobber knocker every day. Let them oh, fight yeah, it out. Just, just keep us out of it, man. Like keep the streets <laughs> of American cities out of it and just beat the crap out of each other. You know, like you guys are the problem anyway. Leave us alone. Go give each other concussions. You know, you're all running on three brain cells anyway. Just get rid of the rest of them and just become vegetables who are too brain dead to steal our money and bomb people for no reason. Win win. I just want some consistency. Like I remember yeah. when Joe Biden was on the campaign trail, every single person he came across, he didn't like, he was threatening to take behind the bike sheds and beat them up. And the entire left thought that was wonderful. So you just if that's can't, okay. You just can't do it when you're 80, man. You just can't talk like that's <laughs> like, <laughs> at least it makes sense from a former pro fighter, but Oh man, like Biden threatening or uh, challenging that guy to a push up contest. Like brother, I just don't, <laughs> Like, your arms are going to, like, you're going to dislocate your shoulders trying to do a push-up. Like, I just don't, how do you think this is going to end up? Well, he'll do half of one. You know, the going down bit's easy. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's the getting back up that's a little tricky. He does excel at falling down on the ground, so. <laughs> one more quick note. Old uh, Ten Horse Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, is apparently negotiating with Democrats on a spending bill that, wait, wait, wait for it, Ian is worse for Republicans uh, and the country than the deal Kevin McCarthy got with Democrats. So, God, who, who could have seen this? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> Looks like old Brady Leonard was right again. I uh, My DMs are open on Twitter. Actually, they're, I don't think they are. But my DMs are open <laughs> on Twitter if you want to apologize to me for uh, all that, you know, you guys being wrong, me being right. But uh, the classic GOP, man. Well done, yep. Matt Gates. Well done, the rest of you clowns. More of the same, if not worse. If not worse than before. Well done, everybody.
Who could have seen it coming? Except literally everyone. Yes, yeah, it's, it's getting to a point where when obvious things keep happening and the people who pointed that out keep getting, like you and I keep getting mocked as, oh, what do you know? You're just a rhino. Um, <laughs> y- when your chosen deity in the form of the MAGA crowd keep screwing you over, uh, it's your own fault. Uh, like, for me once, shame on you kind of thing. Uh, it's Matt Gates had no cl- clue what he was doing. He didn't care what he was doing because all of it was just about getting in front of the cameras. Like, he would probably set fire to his own grandmother if it got him an interview on CNN. Uh, and so it's it's up to us. It's up to the GOP. The GOP is to blame. And um, we're getting everything we deserve right now. Like, yet another election lost because it's the same thing. Putting trust in the wrong people. And people were, uh, no one else to blame. People were giving us shit for predicting the obvious. Yep. You know what I mean? And uh, look, I mean, you're at least a conservative. I mean, the, the whole rhino thing doesn't make sense because you're way more conservative than 100 percent of Congress. But uh, <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm a radical. So the rhino thing that I mean, yeah, you got to come up with a new insult, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, makes no sense for your boy. But it's just like the guys that are like, oh, Byron Donald's or Jim Jordan's going to be speaker. And it's like, guys, we've already like there's. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> like yeah. a, a, a actual conservative like that is not gonna get 217 votes. Jim Jordan had a better chance of getting pregnant than he had of becoming <laughs> Speaker of the House. Like that, that was never going to happen. That was obviously never going to happen. Republicans have what a four or five vote majority. I mean, it's razor thin. You're just not. You're not gonna get it. And man, once again, more people should listen to my podcast, your podcast. We keep getting it right. Everybody else is getting it wrong for some reason. And I don't know. Listen to Ian and Brady. I don't know. Once again, tune in next week. We'll get it right once again. Then you'll complain <laughs> about it, and then you'll admit that we were right a month later. Ian, where can everybody check out your show, with that, which I highly recommend? Uh, where can everybody check out your Substack, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff? Yeah, you can check out my show, Off Limits. It's on uh, YouTube, Rumble, all those places. Uh, I'm on all social media, I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. Uh, so you can find all my videos there, my Substacks, my columns, things like that. And uh, thanks, as always, for having me, Brady. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely, brother. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.